everybody. Welcome to the First Timers Podcast Show, where we offer insight, tips, and advice for first-timer, long-time home buyers, sellers, and investors. I'm your host, Michael Timpani, Mikey Tidemeni, personal home consultant, builder, investor, homeowner, and licensed real estate agent. Please subscribe to our podcast show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at First Timers Podcast Show. So today we are going to simplify some of the real estate process by learning about exactly what the attorney review process is. And that's um, a process that I guess is seems like it's mostly done in the Northeast and some other places. But um, I have my man sitting next to me, attorney Evan Bomber, over, owner of the Bomber Law Group with locations in Asbury Park in Homedale, New Jersey. And he is also the co-host of the Mullicast. You can follow him right now on Instagram at Evan Bomber and at Bomber Law, both on Instagram. Um, so you were on the show before. I think it was episode number four, and we were talking about what it was like to be in the sales process after owning a home for a long time. Uh, today we're going to bring it back to what a buyer experiences during a attorney review and even what a seller experiences. Uh, and I was also on your pod, on your podcast, uh, the Mullicast. I think it was uh, number twenty-seven. I was on there. It was awesome to to uh, interview together. That's right. Now we're full circle. <laughs> um, so I know on the last podcast you gave a you know backstory. Of, you know what got you into um, law. Mm-hmm. But if we could just recap real quick for any new listeners, sure. I guess we'll... Uh, What's going on, Mikey T? What's up, man? Thanks How for coming you? on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. I, I just want to point out, like, I feel like I'm not on the... I feel like I'm on the old-timers podcast show and not the first-timers. <laughs> I look over, you got you got your espresso and, like, the bottle of Italian sparkling water. <laughs> I feel like I'm down I haven't at loved the, Italy uh, yet. Right. <laughs> Bocce courts or something, just, This Sunday, I had I had prosciutto, fresh... Nice. <laughs> I'm like, I can't, you know... <laughs> it's fantastic. I do miss Sicily so much. Mm-hmm. So, so this is my way of, of keeping it with me. That's sweet. <laughs> Just man. we have no vino right here. I have one of the funniest uh, memories of Sicily. Uh, not that this has anything to do with the turning uh-huh. review, but it does have to do with the local laws, I'll say, is uh, I used to smoke back then. It was, I don't even know, some, somewhere in the 90s we arrived, went to this hotel, um, and in Italy they had the tobacco shops, right? So oh, you, yeah, you, yeah. You go to the little shop for tobacco. So I see it across the hotel from me. And in Sicily, like the roads are insane. Like they're, I don't know how many lanes wide, right? So I was near this circle of cars. It's just like 10 cars wide. And they're nuts over there. With no apparent rules or anything. So I'm standing there. <laughs> There's no rules in Sicily. I'm, I'm waiting for like a good 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm never getting across this road. <laughs> but I need cigarettes, man. You know, so I was waiting it out. Suddenly, like five minutes later, this old lady comes by me, walks right out into the road and like, <laughs> traffic parts and she crossed i'm like ah that's what she you gotta didn't even do look i was right? like all right i'm following you right, let's go man <laughs> you used her uh, as a block right so it's, it's is, good to know your local laws let's say yeah there's no right? laws over there that's right <laughs> it's the only place that i think it was like seven o'clock on a sunday we walked down the main street and the, the police department was shut right <laughs> locked up that's it like i yeah. guess call them at home yeah i don't know it's crazy over there but i, I absolutely wild. loved it we actually met the local mayor and i had no idea i was over there for a concert he showed up to present the guy we were we were touring with with a hat he's like this is the official hat of palermo <laughs> or something right and it was this really cool um lime green like little visor kind of i forget what uh-huh. those hats are called 
Uh, so we're like, this is amazing. It's great. Dude's wearing the hat, loves it. Fantastic. We find out the next day that the mayor there was called uh, the walking ghost because he was like the most wanted man by because he was taking on organized crime. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... And he slept like in a different place every night. All this. Sh- and we're like, I can't believe this guy showed up at our show. Like, yeah, that's, that's wild, man. That must have been like heavily so, planned before. Really cool. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, over there you hear some crazy stuff right. about. Any politicians, judges, right? It's that's yeah. not a safe profession. No, but one of the most beautiful places in the world, like it, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, for man. sure. I love it. I love it, and I miss it. And uh, hopefully, I go back soon. Um, so, well, that that's a good segue into what you were doing before you got into law. You right. were actually working in music. Correct. Yep. So I worked in the music business in artist management um, for same place for about thirteen years, and then decided to go back to law school, which is actually something I had done earlier in life and thought I hated it. Um, so it was like, you know, part two, let's go try this again. <laughs> um, so I went back to school um, in 2010 and then came out, opened my own firm after graduating and passing the bar. That is awesome. Right. Man. So now I'm back. You're back. Back in action. And you're um, also doing music yourself again. Correct. Right? So it, it's all cir- right. It's all full circle. It comes like, around. Yep, yeah, for you sure. You were in it. You were out of it. That's right. <laughs> Music's like the mafia. You, Every you, time I'm out. <laughs> they, they, they pull you right back yeah. in. It's just for in a sure. different capacity. Absolutely. That is awesome. Hey, right. So you have an office in Asbury Park and in Homedale. Mm-hmm. And uh, your office in Asbury is at a dope location. Right, for sure. Um, so we're above the High Voltage Cafe. Um, you know, it's funny is I definitely – someone asked me the other day, we'd, like they were opening – you know, a new building is going to open. Like you have any interest in going over there? And I'm like, you know, I really can't picture myself ever leaving there. It, yeah. It's it's the funniest thing. It's just weird things, right? So yesterday I'm meeting a couple people. The door of my office is open and we hear a bird. And we're like, oh, a bird must have, <laughs> must have gotten into uh, – Someone opened the door and a bird flew in, yeah. right? So, but it actually turns out someone that works at High Voltage has a pet like parakeet or something named Olive, <laughs> and they were doing a photo shoot with Olive, right? So, you, uh, you know, mortgage guy Mike, he's got a picture of him with, uh, you know, the bird on his finger. He's like, uh-huh. you know, another day at the office. So it's like those kind of little things, like yeah. you're just never going to get in another office. So I, I have a hard time picturing myself leaving and going somewhere else. It's a fun place to work. Music actually is awesome. Um, I joke with Elena who works with me, um, sometimes like, cause our door is always open. So it's like between the high voltage playlist, there's always good music going on. And then the smell of bacon, you know, occasionally is wafting yeah. through or some other great food, coffee. coffee. Uh, um, so it's, it's just a, you know, fun place to work. And I, I have an espresso addiction, so that would be a bad place for me mm. to work. <laughs> right. Totally. You'd have to yeah. pack your own. Uh, oh my gosh. Or get your own pods or something. Yeah, but it, it, it's a, such an awesome location, and I think I think it helps also inspire you and keep you creative and right and uh, think a little bit outside the box and and it brings you more in tune with the today's buyer. Yeah, I think you know totally. And then it is a totally relaxing process to do a closing there um, because a lot of times people are stressed out by the time you get to your closing day yes. because they've been put through the ringer like, Oh my God, like what next? It's yeah. like, 
I just provided my bank statement for the fifth time. I swear <laughs> I've sent it to that mortgage company 500 times and they asked me again and yeah. I sent it. And now I still don't know how much money I have to bring to closing. And I did my walkthrough and this thing's messed up and they still didn't fix it. And so it's like people are burnt out by the time you get to closing, right? It's, it's a rough, it's a rough 30, 45, 60 days. Yes. It's like a second job, you know, yeah. or a, it becomes your primary focus in some ways. So for people to finally get to closing and then you kind of walk into this chill atmosphere, they get themselves a coffee, we go sit down. It just kind of eases yeah. the, you know, all right, we're, we made it. We're cool now. <laughs> exactly. Like, let's do this. You know, so. <laughs> you got to bring the mullet to the closing. Right. Yeah, we're not quite that relaxed. Like I do wear Chuck Taylor's at closings, but I haven't taken it to the extreme of like wearing the mullet. Yet, maybe. <laughs> well, you, know. you know, I wear, I wear work, work boots to the closing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's a part of who cool. I am. It's right. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that I never changed that, you know, put on the monkey suit just because that's right. what I needed to do. Right. You know, the person hired me for a reason, and that's the way I show up. Right. At closing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so there's a lot of first-time homebuyers out there. Mm-hmm. I think the whole process is scary as hell. Right. From people that don't understand. I know um, – now I'm – I'm backing away from the real estate end to do my other co- company a little more uh, hardcore. But anytime I speak to anybody about real estate mm-hmm. and I explain the process, it's like deer in headlights. Totally. They, uh, they're they worried about everything. And pretty much I'm like, hey, we got an attorney to, <laughs> to back us up. So right. don't worry about much. We got our back, you know. Right. But, and the attorney review process, I think, scares a lot of buyers because in this market, to get a good home, for the last few years, you had to outbid somebody most likely. Right. Um, you're stressed about that process alone. And now you get into attorney review and the house is still marketable. Mm-hmm. And there's just – there's never – I mean during the process from start to finish, like you said, you're burnt out. It's a right. full-time profession pretty much. But the attorney review process, I think, even stresses them out even more because there's so much uncertainty. Like, what is it? Right. What What can we do in it? You know, what could happen? So, I think let's just go over a quick overview of what the attorney review process is. Yeah, I think one thing that adds, you know, just sort of stepping into that that makes it even more stressful is the way people arrive at my doorstep, right? Most of, most <laughs> they they of the, drop. Like, <laughs> they, they literally do. Is So like, a, a, a <laughs> lot of times, like, people are out. They're spending, like, week every weekend for however many weeks. I mean, there's people that spend a year, right? They're out with their realtor every, every weekend. We're looking at homes. We're looking at homes. We're looking at homes. So it's like you're almost in that this is all we're doing phase and you're not thinking about anything else, right? Your, your focus is we have to find the house that we want to buy, right? So you're, you're caught up in that. So suddenly, you know, all the planets align and you find that place and you're like, yes, this is the one and we're making an offer. You sign a contract, right? You're like, I can't believe, like, I just signed something. I haven't even looked at it for, like, 500 grand. Yeah. I'm worried, like, everyone tells me don't worry about it. Just sign <laughs> it. Like, I don't even know. Like, am I going to approve for a loan? What Am I going to lose my deposit? You know? So you're like, all right, you just sign this thing, and, and then off you go. And your realtor is saying, you have to talk to an attorney because attorney review starts immediately. You know, we got to start attorney yeah. review because the market's crazy hot and we got to get you out of attorney review. So it's like, you don't even know what attorney review is and now everyone's telling you just to get out of it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You're like, who's this attorney that I got to use? What is it? Right. So a lot of people, 
I talk to them for the very first time is they've just gone through that process, right? They're like, I just – my offer was accepted. I'm told attorney review starting and I'm calling some attorneys to talk to them. You know, Tell me about yourself. Tell me about the process, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Some of them are like, I don't even care. Like I just got to end attorney review. <laughs> Where can I email you were, the docs? You were recommended. So let's – you know, what do we do? Um, so it's a rush and a little bit scary. So for, for me, it's like it's interesting because when I first opened my law practice, I'm like, you know – it's an odd thing that people you've never met are going to suddenly trust you and hire you, right? <laughs> so it's like um, – because I think the old days – and there still are some old-time attorneys. You hear them des- describe the process as like you know, they schedule a meeting, come in and talk in person. Let's talk about the contract and, and everything's like a scheduled time and we'll come talk and then draft a letter and send yeah. it out. In today's world, it's everything's like – scan it, you know, email it. It's e-signed anyway, so we're not even scanning it. Um, email it to somebody, get the review letter, and let's get out of attorney review and move on, you know? So it's a really quick process. So I try to get people up to speed real quick on a couple things. Like like you said, it's like you're their attorney. I've got your back. i got to look out for your best interest. So part of that is like quick information gathering. Like I need to know everything about you. Like tell me about this home, you know, What's yeah. what's your take on this process? Believe it or not, there's people that sign contracts that are like, I don't even think I want this house, you know. So you yeah. quickly got to decide. I talked to a client one time. They're like, I uh, they told me to sign the contract because the place was going to go. This wasn't a town that was on my like radar. Like I don't even know how far the commute is for for work. I don't know what the place is like at night. And I'm driving back there tonight, you yeah. know. So in that case, it was like, can you extend review a little bit because. I got to do my own due diligence to even think if this is a town I want to live in, right? <laughs> so people come to you with all different yeah. scenarios. So part of it is you have to figure that out. What attor- attorney review is exactly, I think the best way to think of it is exactly for that scenario is people have basically signed this contract under duress <laughs> without time, yeah. without any consultation, sometimes without fact-checking. Um, You're 100% right. And now we need a safety net. Which is like, okay, now let's kind of take a time out and let's have someone look at this and let me discuss it with somebody and let's figure out what exactly it is. So the attorney review gets its name from a clause in the realtor's contract. So almost all deals will sign – if you're working with a realtor, you'll sign a realtor contract. There's a clause in there that says – uh, the exact language is, if an attorney for the buyer or seller disapproves of this contract, the attorney must notify the brokers and the other party named in the contract within a three-day day period. So what your attorney review letter is, is basically invoking that clause. Mm -hmm. You're saying, I represent the buyer. I disapprove of this contract as it's written. But if we make these changes, it will all be acceptable in a binding contract. So what your attorney review letter is, are tweaks to the realtor contract or additional clauses that you're you're putting in there. Um, Now, most of the time, you guys like... uh, I see most of the attorneys, they have almost like a standard letter that, you know, parts of that contract that you have to, right. to change, the uh, time is of the essence, stuff like that. Right. Um, there are certain things, uh, I guess, that are almost automatic for you guys. Right. So I talk about different types of changes. Some I like to think of as like um, kind of housekeeping changes, right? So one is 
um, you know, there may be a clause in the in the contract that says all communication will be sent out by certified mail, right? So you, you put in a clause that says the attorneys can email each other, and that's mm-hmm. acceptable under the contract, right? Um, so some some ways you're just talking about how the process will work. Some you're changing actual terms in the contract. Maybe you're changing, like, maybe the contract for some reason says you'll do your inspections in three days. You're saying we need more time than that. We're going to change that to 14 and we're going to kind of reset the clock, right? Because everything in the contract runs from the date you sign the contract. Yeah. So attorney review, what you're saying is we're taking kind of a pause. We're going to look at the contract. Now we're going to reset the clock and everything's going to run from when we finally end attorney review. So, uh, so one part is determining how the process will work, timing of things. And then sometimes in the more dramatic situation, you're making like substantive changes to the contract, whether there was like, maybe there was a mistake in there. Um, maybe the, the buyer wasn't really aware of some of the terms and now they really need to change that for some reason. Yeah. Um, sometimes there's some negotiation that goes on kind of behind the scenes, but that never made it into the contract. Um, so as an example, um, you know, the parties sign the contract and say closing is in three weeks, right? Oh, but we all talked about it and we're good if you need more time. And I understand you're going on this vacation, so we're going to close actually in two months and we don't have a problem <laughs> with that. But the contract says you're closing in three weeks. So yeah. it's like you have to make those kind of changes. Um, the big thing to keep in mind during attorney review is either party can cancel the contract for any reason. So there's pluses and minuses to that. You know, on the good side, if you're a buyer and you're, you know, you, you, are caught up in the moment. <laughs> and that happens. I just yeah. bought a million dollar house. What have I done? Like I was yeah. shopping for $300,000 houses, but I got excited and I signed this contract. You know, what do I do? Well, you can send a letter and say, I, you know, cancel the contract. You don't have to give a reason. You can just cancel it. On the flip side, um, it's a little bit scary for people sometimes, especially if it's viewed as more of a seller's market is, you know, offer after offer after offer is coming in and suddenly like you got your offer accepted and now the seller could cancel for any reason. You know, yeah. maybe the seller just got, oh, I just got a contract for, you know, 10,000 more. I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, 10,000 um, and it's right. all cash. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 20 day close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are the type of things that, that happen during the process. And I, I've noticed buyers that is such a stressful part for them is right. they get accepted and they just want to get out of review. Right. And uh, I mean, sometimes you get out of review fairly quick. Yep. I, I've noticed some offices, you know, uh, maybe if they're busier, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, they take a little longer to right. to answer the letters. And yeah, there's different, you know, schools of thought with everything. And sometimes it's just a, you know, the weird thing is, as an attorney too, is like maybe someone comes into my life at six p.m. on a Thursday, and I am in the middle of five hundred things that are due. But suddenly they want their matter to take top priority, right? Um, so you're obviously sensitive to that and you, you don't want to lose a deal for somebody. But there are times on the flip side where it, it, it makes sense to kind of take time through the process. A lot of times um, you know, people are just caught up and we've got to get out of review, got to get a review. What I think people forget as well is, you know, I have to – I have to talk to the client. You know, sometimes the client's not available. Maybe they're, you know, I get the contract from the realtor at three o'clock. The client is in a job where they can't talk mm-hmm. during the day. They're like, I'll call you at six o'clock when I get out of work. Okay, we'll make the time to talk to you. But then, you know, sometimes you're 
what your letter is going to say is dependent on that conversation and you can't get it ready. And sometimes it's, you know, yeah. you try to get everything out, you know, same day, certainly the next day. Um, it's tough. Right. Yeah, it's because some things have to fall in place. As an attorney, you're supposed to have a signed uh, retainer agreement with every client, right? So the logistics of I got to get this person to sign a retainer. I got to introduce myself to them. I got to figure out where they are in the process. Um, <laughs> you, you, know, you have a quick sale, quick close type. Uh, right. So it's like everyone's like, you know, there's a lot that kind of has to happen to do it properly. Yeah. There are some attorneys out there. Um, one of my pet peeves is uh, two things. One is sometimes you'll see the letter that goes out uh, and it's just like, this is my form letter uh, and I reserve the right to change it once my client sees it. It's almost like, well, what's the point, right? Why don't we wait until your client, you actually talk to your client yeah. and you know what's going on and then we'll really start the process. Now, I get... They some, just want to get the letter out. Right. Every, sometimes and it makes everyone happy. It makes the agent happy. The agent goes, oh, we got the letter out. I right, saw right, it. You right. know, I got CC'd on it. it. So much rests on when people perceive that things are getting done. Right. And um, and occasionally, like to me, there's a sort certain logical progression to things, right? The buyer really has the most to change, right? Um, the seller makes a few changes, Always. But some people are in the, the rush that the seller – like sometimes you know, the email comes out. Within 30 seconds, you get a seller letter. You're like, now I got to have two conversations with my client. Like I have to have the normal, here's what attorney review, here's the changes we make. Oh, but guess what? They basically already replied to our letter that doesn't <laughs> exist. So let's talk about everything that they want. You yeah. know? So it, and some people's rush to get things done, it actually slows down the process sometimes. Yeah. right? Because now you also – um, you know, maybe you're starting with a template letter, but now I've got to revamp it to be a reply to your letter and put my clauses in it. Sure. Um, and then the other pet peeve of mine is my background was negotiating contracts, right? So uh, to me, you kind of you go through the points of contention and then you get rid of them, right? Once yeah. we agree on something, like let's pare it down. So like now we can see we only have one issue we disagree on, right? Um, so there's the people that will give you like the kitchen sink letter. That has like, you know, there's language in there about HOAs. There's no HOA in this. There's, you know, language about pools. There's no pool. You know, <laughs> I had one I, for three letters in a row. I kept getting, I, I started thinking I was crazy. Like, why do they keep writing about a pool? Like, there's, I've, <laughs> I've said in three letters, there's no pool. Yeah. But their form letter had pool, pool, pool. You they know? just kept copy and, and paste. Like, I started thinking I was crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, so to me, like, the service I kind of offer people, which I think is nice, is we're treating your matter like a, like it is, it's a unique individual matter, right? Yeah. So everything we're drafting, um, negotiating is specific to your matter. I, we're not just sending out some template um, all the time. That, and I think that helps the process also. Sure, yeah. and and it, and it makes, I think it makes the buyer or the seller a little more at ease knowing that you're looking at them for their deal and not mm -hmm. just bulk processing. I, me personally. I'm not a fan of these discount people that, right. you know, the only way they're making money is by bulk processing. Right. There's no way they could spend the, the time on, an, on a customer. Mm -hmm. And it, that, that goes down for real estate companies that are charging 1%, you know, maybe attorneys that are charging 600 bucks or right. something, whatever they charge. I mean, if, you, if you're doing something for half the cost or something, mm -hmm. there's no way you could spend the same amount of time on one customer. Right. And uh, I think – 
like that's something that you know needs to be in the conversation. You know, how are you handling me compared to everyone else? Right. You know, how do you see the process, stuff like that? But for most buyers, especially buyers, they're so like in a cloud, like you said. Mm. We just sign we sign paperwork. I'm telling them, hey, listen, just just freaking <laughs> click on the initial button in <laughs> the side, and let me get the let me right. get the dot loop back. Right, right. Um, they a, a lot of times they're just in shock of what does this all mean sure and i started with a lot of people doing a video of me going through the contract mm-hmm. hitting all the points of hey you know this is what this clause mostly right. means you know as far as you know i understand it best but the attorney will make any changes as needed or whatever right but i think a lot of agents just send it over and just say yeah click and go because we got to get this going right um well that's another um important part of attorney review is you don't necessarily know, um, you know, not every agent is as uh, thorough with the contract, right? Not every agent understands uh, that certain parts need to be completed. Not every agent has talked about every part with the client also. So a lot of it is, all right, let's tweak, you know, what your understanding of the agreement is. Maybe there's some blanks missing. Let's fill in those holes. I mean, a, a really good one is, believe it or not, not everyone goes over the deposit and how it works with their client. That's like one of the first fill in the blanks. <laughs> it is. It's like, all right, how much are you going to put down? And there's a couple different options, right? You could have money. We're going to you're going to sign a thousand dollar check today, and I'll hold that in our realtor's you know trust yeah. account. Do people still do that? Not so much. Not so much anymore, right? I I, I don't. So there's what's called yeah. an initial deposit and an additional deposit. For yeah. the most part, the initial deposit's blank. Um, oddly enough, like if you really dig into it, there was case law a while ago that said if there's no initial deposit, there's no contract because there's no consideration, which is an important ingredient of a contract. Yeah. So you could almost probably fight every contract out there if you wanted to get out <laughs> of it. Um, if there was now no how initial about, deposit. Now, now this is just for my own personal <laughs> wanting to know. I normally put initial deposit due upon completion of an attorney review. Right. So once the review is done, they have to hand over that initial deposit. Right. Is that still good or, or should so, they be actually given the deposit I don't, you know, prior to attorney review? You kind of have to go back and look at case law yeah. and see how that's developed. The, the reality with a lot of real estate transactions um, is when there's a disagreement, it basically just makes sense for everyone to move on. The buyer, go find your next house. The seller, go find your next buyer. Um, because the cost of litigating things isn't worth it. Now, the the like 1% or whatever that go through litigation, that's where you find those things. Like, all right, we didn't properly cancel it during attorney review. Um, the seller saying, I'm still under contract. The buyer, like in a way to you know creatively litigate this, is saying there's no consideration because we signed a contract. There's an offer. There's an acceptance, but nothing else changed hands because no deposit was made. <laughs> right. So I don't know like what yeah. the status of the case law is on that. Um, I just know that that was something that came up. Um, but the reality of litigating some of these things is like slim, right? Yeah. But you have to be prepared for those things. Um, th- I guess the most important thing is is if you are going to want to get out of a contract, get out of it during attorney review. You know, that's the cleanest time, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing is with deposits, though, um, sometimes I've, I've seen a contract where 
someone was putting down 20%, let's say the payment was like 20 grand, it was going to be paid like a week after attorney review. The client had no idea, the buyer, their impression was that's just what I pay at closing. So it wasn't kind of properly explained. So they weren't going to have the money available to put it down <laughs> in a week, right? So it's an important con- – so that's the kind yeah. of conversations you have to have with people is you get the contract and say, all right, now are you aware that it says you're going to put down – are you ready to put down 20000 in a week? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, no. All right, then we got to make some adjustment. Now, when you make that adjustment during attorney review, that can rattle some cages, right? Oh, yeah. Because your sellers uh, – the only reason we took your offer is because you had such a strong down payment right away. What's the matter? You don't have the money? Well, you know, so you have to yeah. be careful when you make those kind of adjustments. In that case, it was really a matter of the money was sitting in a retirement account. Um, they were planning to make those arrangements to have it out for closing. They could do it. It wouldn't be done in a week. Yeah. So if you explain that scenario, then it's a little bit easier. You know, but sometimes if, if you're really going from, wow, there's a huge down payment up front to – Oh, we don't want to make any down payment. Your seller is going to freak out. You know? Yeah, I mean, I've had it where people will say, "Well, I'm going to put a big thirty thousand dollars down payment," but they want to put five thousand dollars down first, right? And twenty five thousand at, at closing. closing, right? And a lot of times, then the seller goes, "Well, why are you putting only five thousand dollars right. down first? And it, it becomes a whole point of yep. going back and forth and. Um, a lot of it's psychological. It, it is. And sometimes I try to talk more so with my seller clients to talk them off the ledge a little bit. And the funny thing is then the people put the importance on who's holding the deposit, right? I always put – Everyone's like, I buyers. want you to hold the deposit. I, I, always, <laughs> I always have it as my buyer's attorney. Right. Because uh, – So the, normally it goes over – people are like fine because they, they trust that if, if our client's putting it in your right. escrow account, that you're not going to just – write them a check at the end when it's not allowed. Yep. So the interesting thing and why I try to talk people off the ledge about that is I understand psychologically it may be important to like, I don't want my money sitting with someone I don't know. Well, you don't, you didn't know me five minutes ago either, (laughs) but every attorney has the same obligation, right? So every attorney has the same obligation to protect those funds, keep them in a trust account. Um, They also have um, like, if, if there is a valid dispute at the end, um, and it's a question of, you know, someone – we think someone violated the contract or is in breach of the contract. Um, I can't just write the check to my client, right? There's a whole process for how that has to play off. So in the end, both attorneys are potentially handcuffed. Um, you know, is there something to maybe my client would get a check quicker when it's authorized from me as opposed to the other side? Possibly. There's definitely something of you don't have to chase as much. But the reality is everyone has the same obligation, so it almost doesn't matter who holds it. Um, at the end of the day, the seller typically, the money is going to the seller. So seller's attorney holds it. At the end of the transaction, turns it over to their client. That's kind of the cleanest, um, but it really doesn't matter. But sometimes there is like people try to get, you know do get worked up about the amount, the timing, and who's holding it. You know? Yeah, I, I think who's holding it all has been – you know, psychologically, a thing a lot of my clients totally. in the past have. Yep. No, I get like, it. Why do I got to give it to them? Right. You know, and in the end, like you said, the seller's getting it all anyway. Right. So, and and that attorney is going to handle that money the same way you're. You know, you're going to handle it right. for the buyer. Um, 
I mean, believe it or not, deals have fallen apart about silly things like that. Like I, I did have one where um, I represented the buyer and the buyer – it was something to do with um, getting the money out of their retirement plan, right? And they could only do it once and they didn't know the exact amount but they wanted the maximum, right? So maybe the deposit – on the contract was $5,000. This guy was going to have like 40000 out of his retirement account and he didn't want that sitting in the seller's attorney account. Now, I get that. You yeah. know, that makes sense. Sure. And the other side in that scenario could not get their client to budge off of we – were, we were holding like eight times the amount of the deposit, <laughs> right? Understandably, my client wanted it, you know, sitting in my account, you know, yeah. initially. Um, but they couldn't, you know, it was just never properly explained to the seller. Like, this is actually a good thing. Um, so sometimes you, you run into those scenarios. Yeah, and I think a lot of times it's the agent also that has to, on both sides, explain right. things to the seller and the buyer. Um, you know, there, there's times where I'll have a buyer buying a high-priced property, but they only want to put down 10%. Right. And, they, and then the seller's like, well, why can't they come up with more? And right. Go, well, maybe he wants to keep more cash in his reserves. Right. What does it matter? At closing, right. you're, you're getting a check yeah. for what we're offering. Right. As long um, as you know the funds are reasonably available yeah. of, and they, it's not going to be a question like they're going to be trying to come up with it between now and closing, um, you're right. Like for the most part, who cares? Because really there's there are very few ways – in this whole scenario where someone's going to lose their deposit, right? Yeah. It's almost always either going in as part of the proceeds or it's going to go back to the buyer if the deal falls apart. Yeah. Almost always. So it's like a lot of energy spent for something that probably doesn't mean a lot. Now, you want to know like, all right, I want to know my person's, you know, not writing $5 checks all over town and has 500 offers out there. Like you want reasonable, you know, belief that they're, part of the deal and invested yeah. in it and all no, that No, absolutely. Yeah. But I think that comes down to your agent doing their due diligence totally. and making sure that, okay, I have a pre-approval letter. Right. This person's legit. Yeah. You know, I've had, you know, where you talk to the other uh, mortgage person. I've, I've called the other mortgage person if I didn't, you know, hey, is this person good? Right. You know, we're good. They're, now they're solid. The finances are good. You're good to go. Yeah. But in the end. And a cash deal, you have proof of funds. You yeah. Know? So that's another thing. Like. Sometimes proof of funds come from weird places that they're like, yeah, I have proof of funds, but it's in these 17 trust accounts. Right. I had it on a deal where the guy's (laughs) like, listen, here's my proof of funds. My uncle has given me the cash to buy it, and here he's got $2 million in this fund account. And I'm like, okay, you know, if my seller agrees to it. What am I – you know, I right. don't know where people are getting their money yeah, from. Yeah, totally. You know? But it's like on the other side, it's like, all right, someone's buying a $500,000 property. They only want to put a cash deal. They want to put 5% down or, you know, or 5000 down. You see this account statement. Oh, there's 800 sitting there. Like, okay, I get it. The guy doesn't want to put up you – know, or a woman doesn't want to put up 200000 right now. Um so what's the problem? You yeah. know, take the five grand, do the deal. They're saying, you know, they're sh- everything they're going through. You know, they're not doing this for kicks. They want to buy the place. You <laughs> yeah. Know? So, all right. Well, do you know? I'm going to hit some quick points. Sure. Just so uh, some things that I thought about that maybe some buyers think about. So we obviously know, or not obviously, but the home is not theirs. It's not locked in during attorney review. This is the time when that house is still active. Mm-hmm. They. You know, other offers could come in. Right. If you're a seller, you could accept other offers. Sometimes the seller's nice enough to 
not take any more uh, offers or showings. Yep. That's not always the case. Right. Um, so that is one thing. Um, basically, you could dispute anything in attorney review that's a part of that contract. Or that, Like you said, that's the time for you to knock out anything you don't like. Right. If you're scared about getting the house. Yep. Sometimes that's the best time to pull out, right? Totally. The other thing I'll throw in on top of that that we didn't touch on is I use it um, as fact-finding as well. So the same way I'm like, all right, I'm just meeting these people. Let's do a little fact-finding. Like, all right, tell me about your transaction. You know, Tell me your thoughts about the house, any other things we need to know about. Like, are you selling anything? Are you, you know, just tell me specifically what's going on in your life. You yeah. know, what, what are your goals? What do you want to accomplish with this? Um, same thing with houses. You don't know necessarily um, everything about them. So you'll throw out some generic clauses in your attorney review letter. Like, there are no solar panels on the property. Um, and the only reason you do that is, believe it or not, people may not know that there are solar panels and that has an implication, right? Um, so by throwing those things out, you get the other side to reply and provide you more information, right? Um, I had two people who were shocked. One guy, another attorney, like thought it was the, the most asinine thing he ever saw that I said, there's no solar panels on the property. And he wrote me back and said, yes, there's no helicopter landing pad either. Right. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's funny, but yeah. you're going to be on the bad end of one of those deals because you're a smart ass. Right. Um, so you're going to, you're never going to advise your clients. You're never going to ask them, is there a solar panel? And suddenly you're going to be two weeks from closing and wondering why, your client's got to do a credit report and, oh, there's a, this lease they don't want to get involved in and the deal's going to fall apart. Right? Do you know, it's funny you said that. I, there was uh, someone that called me. We, we looked at a property. We put an offer and we weren't accepted. But the house had solar panels. Right. So then they had an accepted offer, went all the way. Now, the way this house was, it was raised up in the air. You couldn't see the solar panels from right. the street unless, I guess, if you went like way across the street. But there was a, a disconnect outside. It said solar disconnect. Right. So now, I, now I understand. I look at houses a lot differently than agents. Right. Most agents hang around the front of the house and they open the door. Right. I look around the house. I see it. I go, hey, listen, there's solar panels up there. I can't see it, but right. there's a big disconnect thing, like in a cartoon that says solar disconnect. That's funny. Well, the next person that went to buy found out about the solar panels at home inspection. Right. And they killed the deal. Right. And then the agent was – I mean it, it was in – I don't even know if it was in the listing. I don't right. think it was. Yeah. She must have put it in after. But anyway, like you said, it, it sounds funny that right. you're putting that in there. But there's times where you might not be able to see the solar panels. Right. And, and then, then your client finds out like, hey, I'm a part of a lease. Right. And every buyer – you know. that's what sounds shocking to people. But you know, I think of it this way. When you're a buyer, there's – maybe a few items on your checklist, right? Like, oh, I really want something with a front porch, a garage, and it has to have a washer and dryer. Those are like my, my big ticket items, right? And then you go in the house and you're, all you're thinking about is like, I love that family room. It's going to be killer with a TV hanging out on Sunday watching football in there. That's yeah. all you care about. You're like, let's make an offer. I can picture our family in this house, right? Absolutely. And they're not walking around like with a, a checklist like, uh, can you tell me about your power sources for the house? And, um, <laughs> you know, is there – I mean we throw in questions about pools sometimes because you just get sporadic little bits of information and maybe it's not in a listing. Sometimes you don't even get the listing. You know, you have to ask for everything. Sometimes there's addendums checked off and you don't have them so you got to gather yeah. those. So a lot of it is just throwing out like, all right, let's look for some information. Like throw in a language about oil tanks, you know. Um and see what the reply is, like those kind of things. Yeah. So a lot of it's like, 
also fact finding and just gathering some other info to see do we have all the information or do we need more information yeah and, that, and that's important because a lot of the time that information although it might be available to the agents or it might be obvious right it's not always explained to the to the buyer and in the haste of running around showing homes you know things get lost in the sauce and you know recently we've been in a seller's market so it's you want it let's put an offer in right like there a lot of times there's no thought process to even what to offer just just put an offer in yep. and then it gets thrown on your lap and you totally. have to fix it and attorney review letters evolve exactly because of problems right so if you ever see like they they'll become longer and longer and longer because of things that happen to people right yeah. so if you see like a very specific thing in someone's attorney review letter um i forget what it was it was something to do with you know the seller represents that it was something about the neighbors, like no neighbor is <laughs> applied for a variance, you know, or something. And like, so you talk to the guy, he's like, oh man, I had a bad deal where this happened and we never looked into it. And, you know, <laughs> that's it. That, so that went into the next letter. Right. So like yeah. now that's a, you know, yeah. cornerstone of all his review letters. Um, but that's what happens over, over time. People encounter weird situations happen and now you try to safeguard them with other clients. Yeah, definitely. I, I think even as an agent, the same thing. There's certain situations you get into and then you learn from and then you go, holy crap. Like, all right, right. now I'm going to look out for this next time. <laughs> right. And that, that's why for me, I'm a big uh, proponent for agents to work for a broker that's been in business for a while. I know it's real popular right now too. There's like brokerages like EXP and all these digital brokerages mm-hmm. that you don't have a broker there to run stuff off of. Right. I think it's so important in every field to have someone with some experience there that you could go back to and say, hey, listen, does this sound right? I know that you've been doing it for 30 years. Right. Um, you know, same thing with attorneys. Like, as you go through it year after year, you're going to find, like, those things that maybe popped up twice. Right. Gonna go, All right, that's now in my letter. Totally. Because like, it's going to come up again. Maybe the first 20 closings, it never came up. Right. You know, same thing with us. So, um, yeah, that's why it's a constant um, – not only treating every deal like a new one, you're constantly evaluating the process itself, right? So we, every so often we'll sit down, like, let's look at our review letter. What kind of things have come up that we're not covering and how do we like make our letter better every time? You yeah. Know? So it's a, it's a lot of that. Now, some places don't, uh, I'm not going to say don't have attorney review, but I, I guess they don't like, right. so you so, hear South, like st- down South, South Jersey. other states, right? they, they, uh, there's really no attorney. They just go, I guess, to the broker. Yeah, I think Pennsylvania the realtors will do it. So I've had, um, I have one client in particular who does a lot of um, flips in South Jersey. They don't use attorneys down there, and it's funny is so he's originally from up here, lives down there now, does all these <laughs> projects, right? So I've been in deals with them, and it's like. It, the other agents immediately hate me because they're not used to dealing with attorneys. So my very first, so, but uh, we'll still send out an attorney review letter, even though they're not so accustomed. Who, so right? who's answering the other side? So this is great. So <laughs> I send a letter to the other agent is who it was because the, uh, the seller did not have an attorney. So I send our attorney review letter, the broker, the Listing agent sent it to their broker who was going to reply. They're like, contact the broker. So in the very beginning, we talked about this is the exact language in a realtor contract. If an attorney for the buyer seller disapproves of this contract, right? So it talks about 
formally sending a notice of disapproval to start attorney review. So almost all attorney review letters use the, that language is from the realtor contract. It says, I disapprove of the contract as written, right? That's like the instructions <laughs> that the yeah. contract tell you fine. They were so offended by my choice of the word disapprove <laughs> that we got off on the wrong foot. And I had to play and say, I'm like, this is just, you know, paragraph 12 or whatever it is. I'm just using that language that tells you how to start a term review. I don't mean any offense yeah. about your contract. You know, don't worry. So sometimes um, it's harder if people aren't accustomed. Like I would still recommend using an attorney. Um, there's always exceptions to every rule, right? So they will tell you down there they're not going to change anything during attorney review because they get everything into the contract. We still made changes during attorney review, right? Um, a lot of times with bank-owned properties, the sort of rule of thumb is like you're buying a bank-owned property, don't even bother sending an attorney review letter because they're never going to change anything. It's not true. Like um, I had – I got an inspection credit on a bank-owned property, like money you know, yeah. in my clients uh, credited to their closing costs. You, know, you could have just said, oh, it's bank-owned property. We're not going to waste the time doing it. But you, you still go through because there's always exceptions to every rule. Absolutely. So even in those situations, I'd probably recommend you know, even if the local custom um, – now, the other thing, it's always a balance too, right? Um, I've come across attorneys in my journey. Like I like to think I'm not that type of person. I come across people that view themselves as the most important part of the transaction, right? The, the attorneys aren't the most important part of the transaction. Like the buyer and the seller, your clients are yeah. the most important people in the transaction. So there are people that their personalities will mess up a deal. Sure. Right? So – I think in those situations, yeah, Mr. Helicopter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <on> right. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, funny guy. Um, no, but um, you know, in those situations, you also can't be. You know, there's attorneys out there that have the personality of like, I'm going to tell you all how. You know, I love the people that always start out. Well, I've been doing this 30 years. You know, you you might as well just like, all right, here we go. You know, like this is going to be one of those uh -huh, kind yeah, of deals. You know? right. I've never seen this before. Uh -huh. So. You have to have people that are sensitive to – there's a certain like – I guess tact is the right word, right? So I'm dealing with a broker. You know, I can't be the guy that you – know, I'm not going to be a smart aleck about disapproval and the fact that she was offended by it. Like you know, is it annoying? All right, yeah, it's a little annoying to have to deal with it, but it's also funny in a way, right? <laughs> and I'm also like the uh, uninvited guest to their party yeah. down there, right? So there's a way – so I have to put my client's best interest. My client was like, I want to buy this place. So we got to figure out a way to make it happen, right? Yeah. So you got to put your own like, you know – personal issues yeah, out you, of you the equation. You can't be the thorn right? to the side right. and, and kill the deal because they're like – Right, because I, I don't know how to get along with people. You yeah. Know? Right. So I think in those situations, it's also choose your parties wisely, um, you know, but it it's always – I would always recommend, you know, discussing things with an attorney. Uh, absolutely. I, I don't understand how um, – like we're so we're Mammoth Ocean. I think anything north of Ocean County is pretty much attorney review area. Right. Um, but I don't understand down there. I guess the brokers take on like the lead of being like, I am the professional here. We will handle your deal, and then it goes right to a title company for the right. closing. And but why wouldn't you want? You're you're spending hundreds of thousand like dollars on a house. Right. Why wouldn't you spend a little bit of money on right. some representation? 
that could basically help you through the whole process. Yeah, sure. Like protect your, your biggest investment. I mean, do attorneys down there, do they even have like real estate on their stuff? That, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, up here, you know, almost, almost every attorney has, you know, we right. do closings, blah, 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 blah. Right. I wonder down there, you know, South Jersey, do they just write that off and they're like, I only do DUI and, right. you know? Yeah. No, there's a good like number. Like Ocean County, for sure, there's a lot of real estate attorneys yeah. there, definitely. But as you start getting beyond that, like the deal I was talking about in particular was Atlantic County, uh, and that was almost unheard of. Um, <laughs> like, who's this like, Yankee coming yeah, down here? Right. Uh, <laughs> that was sweet. And everything was like, yeah, title company driven. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future, right? Because the trend with everything is um, let's do everything in-house, yeah. right? So the biggest players are obviously the real estate companies who are now like, you know, we're going to offer title in-house. We're going to offer lending in-house. Um, through our title company, we'll do all the closings. So it's like, in a lot of ways, the writing's on the wall for attorneys. Like, is this obsolete? Um, so it's like, how do you, you know, what's your plan for the future? Um, yeah. And even title companies, as more stuff goes, um, you know, there have been blockchain closings in the Northeast. Like Vermont actually did the first one where a title company search wasn't necessary. The county clerk had a deal with some, there's a like a blockchain company out there that put like all of their deeds <laughs> On the chain, no right? Way. And then did the first closing that way, and that's already at least a year old. No so kidding. I think part of it is figuring out, like you know, what's the the future for the whole industry? Yeah, and like where are where does an attorney fit in? Because if you, if you think about it, just logically, right? All right, if every realtor contract, which evolve over time, also evokes all of the same attorney comments. Let's update our realtor contract. Yeah. Right. So realtor contracts, all the same way attorney review letters evolve, realtor contracts evolve. Like yep. some of those, um, you know, um, outdated terms in there will gradually be replaced because okay, every attorney changes this. This is our new reality. So let's update our contract. Right? Yeah. So you know, if you think about it, like where does an attorney fit in longer term? You know. I think there's always the importance of, um, you know, my, I, I guess everyone is supposed to act in the client's best interest, right? Yeah. But I'm sort of a, a disinterested third party. Like I can advise my client, like, you know, a client might want to know what's the law. Can I cancel this? Can I, how do I get out of this? Or how do I combat what they're doing? Right. So I can advise them how to achieve within the, parameters of the contract, what their goal is, right? Yeah. So I think there's always some importance for that. Um, but yeah, who knows what, but when the bulk of the country, let's say, is finally not using attorneys and everything's like kind of in-house somewhere, um, you know, what's your, you know, what's your career path? Yeah. You know? Do you know what, I, so, so what's it called? Bearish when you're not, uh, when you're, when you're right. against or whatever, <laughs> right. like I, I'm a little bearish on on the real estate industry as a whole because like tech is hitting it hard, right? And you see a lot of stuff, like you said, you see these big companies like Zillow mm. um, purchasing mortgage companies, right? Doing cash offer deals, buy it now. Um, you see tech companies out west that are fully automating a house, 
so that you don't need an agent for a showing. Right. You just go into a smart home. As soon as you pull up, they know who you are. Right. They know you're at the location. The cameras are watching you. Right. The door unlocks. You leave. You put an offer. Like the analytics of what the house is worth is probably way better than what the agent could tell you the house <laughs> is worth. Right. Um, I mean, personally, Zillow, I think, has – I know so many agents hate Zillow. But in a lot of properties, they've gotten closer with their values than they've been further off. Um, you know, now the value of something – The dreaded Zestimate. The Zestimate, yeah. The right. Zestimate. But but their Zestimate has, I think, has gotten closer right. than, than it has in the past. Now, certain things – if you improve your house and you never let the town know, so you've never been reappraised and they didn't know that you dropped $80,000 into the interior of your house, right. of course, the Zestimate will never reflect that because right. they use all analytics of what the town, you know, public records. Right. But overall, I think analytics and well, AI and all this other crazy stuff is really taking over right. at a high rate of speed. And for Zillow, I think the added thing is perception becomes reality, right? If every single buyer or seller out there, before they talk to a realtor, the first thing they do is they pull up their property on Zillow. And so suddenly the Zestimate, if it has carries that much weight with all those people, it's suddenly that's what the value is yeah. in a lot of ways. You're, you're absolutely you right. I, I fight the Zestimate all the time. You right. know, In some cases it is way – it's a hard argument to, to come across and you have to have other data. What yeah. I think I think is interesting is um, there's a – I can't remember the exact like scenario. But the basics were like Zillow, Airbnb um, are like the largest real estate companies in the world – don't own any real estate, right? <laughs> uh, Uber is the most valuable transportation company in the world. It doesn't own one car, right? So th that's kind of the future of like the real estate business is like w what's, what has the value? Probably like the information, yeah. um, data. Um, so it's like, like you said, when the personal services are all taken over by, I'm just going to roll up, you know, and, and, the house suddenly knows everything about me and I suddenly know everything about the house yep. without talking to a person. I mean, there's, there's no doubt, like that's the future and that's what happens yeah. already in a lot of places. Right. So it's, so what, where do you carve out your, you know, if you're staying in that industry, you know, I mean, that's a, a yeah. much like deeper conversation sure, is, yeah. is, is humans yeah. on a whole, right. Yeah. If, if they're telling you like, there's already countries where you get a salary from the government for just being a person. Right. Yeah. Because Eventually, there's going to be no job, so you get some sort of, you know, if, if machines are doing everything and you're just getting a, here's what you get, you know. Yeah, so it's, it's like, where do you carve yourself out in this industry? Yeah, how do you future-proof you know? yourself? Right. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting conversation moving right. forward, you know, with, with the whole part between the turn of review, buy, sell, the whole right. thing. Like, where where is everybody going to land in the end? Right. Um, it, it's crazy to even think about, um, but you know, let's let's wrap up a couple things real quick. Um, so, you help with the the closing process, mm -hmm. of course, uh, but the title company normally sends out a closing agent, right? Or do you close? Yeah, so the deal? really, the what you're technically using your title company for, in addition to like all the title search, is now primarily all attorneys, no attorneys do settlement which what it would be called. You use your title company as a settlement agent. Yeah. And really what that means is like we're gathering your final closing costs, right? We're working with the uh, with your lender. We're preparing your closing disclosures. So we know like all right, what taxes are due, what 
how are they prorated? But then there are also the collectors of all the money, right? So all the money from the lender comes in, the down payments, everyone who's holding money comes into the title company as the settlement agent. They pay everyone. They cut all the checks where it needs to go. Yeah. So that's like uh, to me, like because I got into real estate as an attorney when it wasn't fashionable to be doing settlement anyway. There was a time where attorneys were doing this with their paper ledgers and Jeez. you know handling settlement and all that stuff. So to me, I've never really known it any other way, um, at least in New Jersey. It's like I would say more customary. I, I encounter very few attorneys that still do their own settlement. Uh-huh. Even on a cash deal, it's still – why take on the extra work, liability, everything else? Yeah. Um, it's – a couple hundred bucks that the title company gets to be settlement agent. Um, yeah, let you know, them transfer let them everything around. Right. And they do it all the time. Exactly. You know, because they're also settlement agents on all the refis where there's no attorneys. Um, so it's something they do on a daily basis at higher volume. Definitely. And if there were a few uh, maybe good questions a buyer could ask uh, an attorney, because mm-hmm. I think a buyer has a little bit less time a lot of times to make those calls. A seller, they know they're going to sell the house. They might even have an attorney from their past deal. Right. But for a buyer, especially a first-time home buyer, what, what do you think are some questions they should ask You know, that person on the other line? Yeah. I mean in a perfect world, I would say um, call a few attorneys earlier in the process. Like while you're yes. looking for a house, like ask your realtor, do you know any – like I don't know any realtors or any attorneys. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. Call them up or email a few and ask them a few, you know, find out about them beforehand. Tell them about yourself because then it's not like the last minute we're rushing everything trying to build get. your team early. Totally. I say it all the time. Yeah. Because then there's some, uh, you know, maybe you have questions. Now you've asked them before you've signed a contract yeah. and gotten the answers. And maybe that changes how you do things in the process. So I would say any attorney should be willing to talk to you for free. So just call them and ask a question early in the process. It probably never happened because <laughs> I, I get it. Like, yeah. you know, your focus is like, got to find a house, got to find a house, got to find a house, found a house. Oh, I need an attorney. You know, yeah. and a lot of people, that's the first time they've used an attorney in their life. It makes sense. Like they, yeah. they, they're haven't encountered them for anything else, you know? And they just trust the, the agent most of the time. Like, right. Hey, whoever you, you recommend. I did it when I bought my house. Yep. Said to the agent, like, who do you recommend? And right. he's like, you know, use Louis Grippo. He's the, he's the town's uh, judge. And I was like, <laughs> right. all right, good enough for me. <laughs> like, if I right. have any problems, I need this guy. Right. You know, right? right. Um, so I I did it the same way. Yep. Um, so I would say ask early, get some con, talk to someone, comb, you know, carve out ten minutes, talk to you know three attorneys, yeah. um, see who you jive with i would also ask the attorneys how they work um some people are comfortable doing everything by email e-signing etc you want to make sure your attorney does that um because there still are attorneys out there that say we you know you, you go to email a title report uh, can you mail me a copy you know and um you know here's our inspection report can you mail me a copy yeah. and my client will be in next tuesday to review it with me um you know so there still are those things so if if you know this is someone you're going to be, you know, they kind of step into your life the same way the realtor stepped into their lives, right? Suddenly yeah. you're going to be working with this person. You want to make sure you get along with them, you know? You don't want to hate someone in your <laughs> in your home buying process, you know? I know. And, you know, so I would say that's a big one. And then just anything unique to you, you know, if you have a general concern. The other thing I find is even though I ask a lot of questions with clients, you'll always get something at the last minute and someone says, oh, 
what about By the this? Way. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God. Why didn't you tell me this? You know, I had this judgment right. that uh, I never cleared up. So I would say early on, if there's anything you have a question about or anything that seems unique about your process, tell someone. I mean, there's no dumb question. Right? Yeah. Ask a question, provide information, and talk to people early. Definitely. Yeah, I would say that's it. The only thing I'll add – um, kind of at the end of our conversation, we didn't really talk about is how does attorney review end? Oh, yes. Right? So basically, attorney review starts, buyer's attorney typically sends out the letter, seller replies, says, yes, we accept these terms, plus maybe we don't accept that one. And here's a couple extra terms of our own. Buyer says, your terms are fine. We sign it. So now you're under contract. So then your, your new contract becomes the realtor contract you signed plus all the additional agreed terms in the attorney review letters. And then that's when attorney review ends. And then real quick, another part is when you start hitting those other milestones like mortgage commitment, yep. uh, home inspection, stuff like that. Those, are, those, I guess, reopen the box a little bit. Yep. So typically – now you're going to revisit like, okay, how did we negotiate some of those terms? Like, yeah. you know, the standard contract says inspections are 14 days from when you sign the contract. Oh, the, for whatever reason, we agreed to 10 days after attorney review. So now you calculate all those dates again. What we do is we send out a review summary letter to our clients that says, now you're out of attorney review. Here's the important dates, deposit, um, inspection deadline, mortgage commitment, anticipated closing date. Here's like kind of the next things coming up in the pipeline. Yeah. So you know what to expect. But the home inspection for, for new buyers, mm-hmm. that is after attorney review. Right. The review is over. Now you're under contract. I mean, it opens it up for negotiation after home inspection. Mm-hmm. And that's a time that people can back out. Um, right. Depending for the on, right reasons. Exactly. Yeah, and depending not, on the language, like yeah. most of the time, buyer's attorney want the broadest cancellation possible. Yeah. Seller's attorney want to kind of box you in a little bit more. So buyer's attorneys say, like our opening language would be, if for any reason the buyer is unhappy with the inspection report, they can cancel the contract. Yeah. Um, a seller may say, no, it's only if there's something wrong with like major systems, foundation, you know, kind of big ticket. Like you're <laughs> yeah, not canceling yeah. because the paint's chipped. Yeah. You know? yeah. But in reality, um, one attorney told me early on and he said, the reality is if someone's not happy, just move on, you know, because yep. you're not you, – you can't like shoehorn in – People to, you know, if someone has just a bad feeling about a house, you know, which happens, people, they go into, you know, sometimes when they go back, I've had clients, they go back for the inspection and they're like, I don't even know why I didn't see any of these things. Like this one inspection report had, you know, there was a hole punched in the shower, (laughs) you know, well, that's understandable. Maybe the shower curtain was up and you didn't like pull back the shower curtain to look in because you felt. You're like you're being nosy. Like you're not going through it with a fine-tooth comb. So a lot of times your inspection period is when you're really diving in and you're, when you're really going to know the most about the house. Yeah. So, you know, people do experience this is a completely different house than the one I made an offer on. I don't know what happened. Yeah. yeah. So it's important to be able to get out of those situations. Right? Absolutely. I, I think, like you said, it. if your gut's telling you this is not it, you got to roll with it. Right. I always tell people I don't want to be that agent that pushed you into a house that you hate for the rest of your life. Right. And you always think like, Mike, freaking talked me into this place. Right. And if you think about it from the seller's perspective, if you're really going to say, 
we're going to force you to go through this deal. You're not going to be able to cancel it because of the reasons you're unhappy with the inspection report. If you think that buyer is going to miraculously change overnight and suddenly feel better about the transaction later. <laughs> so as you keep going on, all they're going to want to do is cancel this deal, right? Yeah. So they're just looking for another way to get out. Why not let them out early? Yeah. Get yourself a new buyer in there and move on, you know, yeah, exactly. because also at the end of the day, you're, no one's going to litigate this thing. You know, you're just going to yeah. be like nitpicking each other the whole time. I think that is a perfect way to, to end this up is if you're unhappy, turn a review or not. Once you, I mean, that's that's your time to to do what you have to do. But, you know, if, if things just don't feel right, just just move on. Right. Everybody. Yep. Just move on. It, and then that's the importance of attorney review is just solidifying. If you represent the buyer, keep uh, as many open-ended outs along the way as possible. You know, whether yeah. it's like during inspections, during appraisal, during the mortgage process, just get them out if they want out, you yeah. know. So, well, the, uh, on, on the agent side, sometimes you have those buyers that they're always wishy-washy <laughs> anyway. Right. Yeah. You're like, man, I hope there. I wish there wasn't so many outs. Right. But, well, that's the, the yeah. hard part about this business is you're dealing with people, and people have unique, you know, yeah, ways of conducting their affairs. You know. You're not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, listen. Thank you for giving us all that great information. I know last time I asked you a little quattro fire some questions. Right. Um, I'm going to change it up. Because uh, you already answered some of them. So I want to know, like, what is your favorite song? Favorite song? Right now, I mean, for me, it changes all the time. Oddly enough, I was trying to look on, on uh, your iPhone. You can show your most 25 played. Uh-huh. And mine just crashes every time I try to open it. <laughs> so I don't know what my 25 most played are. You need to update your iPhone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it varies throughout life. Um, Back when I was a kid, the first things I listened to, I inherited my dad's record collection. And he was British Invasion and Springsteen because it was from New Jersey. So I listened to Springsteen, The Beatles, The Kinks, The Who, The Stones were like my biggest like influences like from zero to seven. Uh-huh. Seven or eight, I discovered Kiss. <laughs> and I was like a epic Kiss fan for a long time. Van Halen fan for a long time. Um, Beastie Boys, uh, Run DMC, like that period of my life. Um, so it sort of evolves. Yeah. These days, um, I'm taking bass lessons and just learned how to play Highway to Hell. So I'm rocking like ACDC everywhere I go. Um, because You're listening for the chords. Totally. Yeah. So that one's a nice uh, – so I don't know. When I was – yeah, it changes all the time. I used to think Waterloo Sunset by the Kinks was probably the most beautiful song ever written. Uh-huh. And that's what I used to listen to that on vinyl. I used to think that was like – the greatest song ever. It just painted like this image, you know? Um, But probably more like uh, something guitar-driven rocky is what I like to listen to. I like Fish a lot also. Like uh, I think Trey Anastasio is one of the the best live guitarists around right now and I could listen to him play all the time. So... That's that's always a hard question to nail down anyway. What's your favorite movie? Uh... Citizen Kane. Um, I don't know, actually. That's another tough question. I'm the same. Like, I go through all these random phases. Like, I don't know if I had a go-to. Like, I like... There's uh, a movie that you're flipping and you're, like, mindlessly... You see that pop up. Yeah. So, Uh, I'll watch anything 
it like my wife like she'll walk in it's like the classic you're watching that again there's actually a stand-up yeah. comedian that does this thing about born all the born movies <laughs> uh-huh. and he goes through like why each one's different and why you have to watch each one <laughs> even though they're all the same so right now born's on all the time so i i'll like i'll put that on while i'm flipping around seeing what other movies are on yeah um probably like like i like tarantino a lot like the kill bills um to me like as a you know wannabe filmmaker i would say like those like are like yeah man that's awesome right um you know i like a lot of the classic uh um al pacino uh scarface like i like like those style movies a lot Um, can't go wrong with that yeah what what where is your favorite place to eat now eat now um dude these questions are like impossible to answer Ah. um Taco Bell. Um, if I, <laughs> you're in Asbury Park, you, you might not be allowed back in town. Yeah, right. Um, I could eat pizza every night. I could eat like some kind of Italian every night. I could eat like uh, Mexican every night. Um, so I recently, I think you know, went to Nettie's Spaghetti. I enjoyed their spaghetti and, and sausage a lot. That was the first time I was there. Um, pizza. This one, you'll probably protest that it's not traditional. Um, Don't say Costco. No. Nah. <laughs> that would be sweet, right? Dude, the Costco pie, you can't, man. You got you to try it. Um, Tallulah is an Asbury. The Beekeeper's Lament is, I forget what's on it. It's something like real spicy kind of meat on it or something but then they have honey on it as well uh-huh. so you get this like hot and sweet so honey sounds insane on a pizza but it's it really really good, really good. I would is that even that. pizza come on yeah man. it's totally pizza that's I think. more like dough with it <laughs> yeah. that's, millennials change the pizza nah, it's not it's like, like it's just <laughs> the right hint of honey it's not like uh, overpowering and then there's a really spicy pie at Porto that I like a lot yeah. so the place I haven't been is Medusa in Asbury I don't know if you've been there no I haven't been there yet I've been that's been on my list they're not open for lunch so I've been uh, it's a for me too is like I have young kids so you go like where it's convenient, where yep. you're not going to ruin someone else's experience, yeah. you know, because my kids can be a pain in the ass at dinner. Yeah. You know yeah, what okay. I mean? They have like a short shelf life, and then it's like you're not kidding. Where it's not enjoyable they're for you. Time bomb. Totally. That's why Chili's works for us. Yeah. You, you pay right at at oh, the yeah. kiosk thing, the, <laughs> right. the little iPad. <laughs> totally. All right, we got to like, run. It's like, listen, send everything out now. If their macaroni and cheese is done before my meal, <laughs> yeah. send that out now. Totally. Like, I just want everything sent out at right. once. I will eat my appetizer and my meal at the same time. Exactly. I and really like, don't care. And just make sure my bill's already on that thing because I'm paying <laughs> as the as soon as you drop, I'm gone. Right. You know? Totally. They are ticking time bombs. Absolutely. Little, they are maniacs, kids. Yeah. So then, I, actually, I've just remembered a couple of pizza places: is Vicks um, and Bradley. Classic. Yes. Is is that and. Uh, Oh, now I'm drawing a blank in Long Branch. Um, Tuzio's? Tuzio's is good, yeah. There's another... Uh, Freddy's? Freddy's, yeah. yeah. So Freddy's and Vicks is typically where I divide my time. Because yeah. um, those Sausage are good. Sausage and pepper from Freddy's. Totally. Yeah. Yep. And that's where you can uh, you know, have a good meal and relax with kids and stuff like that. Yeah, you don't yeah. care if they go crazy. Right. Totally. Well, listen, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. Let people know where they can find you. So you can find me online, BalmerLawGroup.com, on Instagram, at Evan Balmer. Two easiest ways to find me. Um, 
email me, Evan at BalmerLawGroup.com. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much you again for coming on the thank show. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I would like to thank everyone for listening to the show. My name is Mikey T. Michael Anthony Timpani is my mama named me. You can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at First Timers Podcast Show. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at THS Home Advisors. And at the Home Advisor Pro, you could also follow my construction company, FTJ Builders, cel- celebrating 20 years this year. A link to all the websites can be found on our social sites. Please leave a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Share and subscribe to our weekly podcast. Message us with any questions or topics you would like to hear. And if you're a professional that could bring some value to the show, I would love to have you on. Together we can learn and grow. i like to end with a quote. It's from an unknown author, and it goes, Life is short. Spend it with people who make you laugh and feel loved. God bless everybody, and have an amazing week.